It's great to see you. If you're new, it's great to have you. My name's Mark, and uh, welcome to our family. It's great to have you be a part of us this morning. We're studying the book of Acts. It's our last in this series that we've been doing all summer called A Few Good Men. We're going to finish up with a guy who wasn't that great at all. His name's Herod, and uh, we're going to find out from his life some of the things that we need to know about ours. But before I do that and talk through those things, I want to remind you that there's a full slate of things that you can start getting involved with as things ramp up around here with the beginning of the school year. And uh, one of those things is life groups. I hope you'll be signing up for those as uh, we go through this next uh, little bit before those begin. Let me pray. We'll get going. Everybody ready? Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your word. A chance to open it now. I pray, Lord, that the things that you have us to learn from the life of Herod, which is our life all too often, uh, that you would, you would show us, Lord, uh, that life with you is best. Life against you just is not going to work. Uh, so lead us to this life with you. Get me out of the way. Speak in my place. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I, uh, I got to go yesterday to St. Augustine, Florida. We dropped our last kid off at college. Our daughter, Kai, started at Flagler College yesterday. And uh, oh, you like Flagler? That's great. Good to hear. Um, <laughs> it's very nice, and it better be for what we're paying. And, uh, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's an exciting time and a sad time. Pray for us. We're trying to figure out how to increase the noise levels in our house. Uh, we're, we're running out of kids. So we're just going to pipe in, you know, tapes of them when they were younger, and that'll be fine. Uh, but uh, I missed last night, so you're my second service, and I'm still figuring out what I'm saying. But I thought we'd start, uh, is that a hor- horrible thing for a pastor to say? I'm still figuring out what I'm saying? Some of you have been here before, you know that's pretty much how it always is. But uh, uh, I thought we'd start out with something fun. Who likes to have fun at church? Anybody like having fun at church? Now, if you're visiting, if you're visiting, this is not every week. I do not throw sugar to our people every week. But this week, I'm going to. And this is going to be a good thing for those of you sitting in the front. Sorry for you sitting in the back. Or if I do make uh, an effort to throw candy out there, everybody play nice. This isn't a baseball game. Don't steal the foul balls. All right? We're going to play some movie trivia. Movie quotes. Anybody here got quotes from movies memorized? Anybody been to a movie? Okay, well, that's great. I tried to pick ones that would be okay for church. Just first, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, as we get going this morning, let's talk some food. Here's, here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to throw candy to the first person who stands up and tells me what the movie is that this is quoted from. If you were, for, listen, listen, we're all friends here, okay? <laughs> if you were faster than the other guy and I gave it to another person, it's candy. Relax, all right? Uber competitive people, slow down, okay? Here we go. First quote, first one to stand and tell me wins the candy. Here's looking at you, kid. Uh, that is correct. Wow. Wow. All right, ready? Did you just see it last night? Who won? Doesn't matter. Help her. There you go. All right, the next one. When that hump, that was bogey, right? Uh, well, wait until I say it upstairs. I, I don't even know what's going on. People yelling, standing up in church yelling, Terminator. I'm like, I haven't even started preaching. They want me out of here already. Terminate him. <laughs> Who stood up first? You did? All right, I'm going to throw it here. It's in the, I'm, I'm not going to risk eyes. Just pass that back there. Okay, wait for me upstairs. We changed the game. That was the Terminator. That's the only questionable one, but it's iconic. Come on, Arnie said it. Here we go. Uh, uh, so that's, here's the third one. The second one was, uh, I wasn't looking. Who said it? All right, Aaron. Yeah, you're going to need a bigger boat. I should try to read these out loud, too. You're going to need a bigger boat. Watch your face. Oh, I'm sorry. 
It is a Boston arm. Thank you. Someone remove that man. All right, here we go. Oh. Don't have too much fun in church. I'll read it. Here it is. He slimed me. All right there. Well done, sir. Well done. Can you make sure that gets back to him? There you go. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm, not, I'm trying not to hit people. I don't have a bad arm. Next one. I'm looking in the back now. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Right there. What was it? How many dancing? Oh, that shame on you saying that out loud. Here we go. I'm going, I'm going deep. Ready in the front row back there? Here we go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, these were not a good idea. All right, here we go. Next one. To infinity and beyond. I'm going to give it right here. There you go, Chip. Well done. If you didn't give that one, turn your passport in at the border. You're not American. Sorry if, that, if you aren't American. You didn't know that one. Anyway, I'm just kidding. You don't have to leave. All right. This one's a little longer. Here we go. Life moves pretty fast if you don't look around every once in a while. Yeah, go ahead. What is it? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's correct. Who saw Ferris? Any, any fans of St. Ferris out here? There we go. Okay. How many more do I have? This is getting scary. Here's one. Go ahead. You can't handle the truth? I saw you stay. People are just, you're not playing the game right, people. You can't just yell right there, young lady. You are the winner. Congratulations. Only one standing in the whole room. Everybody else, look at There you go. Stand up if you want to win. Here we go. That'll do, pig. Right there. Favorite movie? Just tell me. Honest? It's good. Who, who doesn't love a talking pig? That's what I say. How about this one? My mom always said, right there. It's close. I'm go- Tell you what, they were both so excited for Forrest. We're going to have a double winner on that one. Here you go. Did you, did you stand up too? Hey, settle that. What are you doing? You need to hear this sermon. That's good. All right, I think this is the last one. This is a bonus round. This is a little deeper in the, in the movie. Uh, who said that? I didn't even get to read it, but that is the Breakfast Club. Mess with the bull, you get the horns. There we are. Give it up for everybody who won in movie quote trivia. Sorry, sorry. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Back there. He's like, me? No, not you. Did you stand up? You didn't even, you didn't even try. You, can't, you don't. Just because. Come here. Come here. Come on. Here you go. That's yours. All right. Ah, just kidding. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come on. Come on. I'm giving you candy. Give it up for the guy who didn't keep the candy. There you go. Someone go next door. I think I'm almost out. What's happening? No, don't throw the candy yourselves, people. This is going to get out of hand real fast if you all start running your own game. Mess with the bull, get the horns. It's kind of where we're going today. Uh, It's the principle that we're being taught from this guy, Herod's life. We met him last week. He was here last week. We talked about this guy, Peter, who was the leader of the early church. And Peter was miraculously freed from prison. If you didn't get a chance to see that uh, sermon, uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to go back and watch some great principles from Peter's life there. But this guy, Herod, was the reason he was in prison. Herod was the king in uh, Judea at the time. And, uh, and we find out about his life just 
kind of is an afterthought here in the story that Luke tells in the book of Acts. But we're going to see from his life a cautionary tale. A tale that tells us if you mess with someone who is sovereign over you, things can go very poorly. Anybody seen the beef jerky ads messing with Sasquatch? Anybody seen those? I think they're really funny, uh, but they prove this point. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. You mess with Sasquatch, you're going to go flying into some lake somewhere, right? Uh, if, if you Listen, in my house, uh, growing up, my kids, uh, uh, like I said, we took Kai to college, and Coop's still going to HCC, so he's, he's our sole inhabitant now. He's, he's a quieter guy, so he stays in his, I call it his laboratory. He stays in his laboratory, and we kind of inhabit the rest of the house, quiet, quieter house. Uh, but they were all home this past week, all three of them, very loud children. Uh, they, they, they compete with amplitude. They compete uh, with noise levels uh, for, you know, space to talk. And so it was, it was fun, loud. Uh, Friday night, we all had dinner before everyone went back to college. And, uh, and it happens, just like it always happens in our house, that my two sons start wrestling. Now, when I say my, son, my two sons start wrestling, my older son, Ben, picks on my younger son, Cooper, to the point where he just can't handle it anymore. And he strikes back. And that's where Ben, still being a little bit larger than Cooper, not quite as much as he used to be, but still being the dominant of the sons, uh, just starts, you know, messing with him all the more. Now, 21 years or 20, uh, 19 years of doing this, my role is to sit there and put up with it as long as I can until I get up and just end things. That's my job, okay? And what Ben has done since he was able to talk, which was early, he started early and has not stopped. <laughs> but his, his, whole, his whole thing with me was to, was to poke the bear. I'm the grizzly bear, and he wants to poke the bear. And so now it's like, come on, old man, you're too slow, you know. You know uh, I've learned some moves. He's always talking about these moves he's learned, right? But here's how it happens. You know, I finally get tired of it. I, I, I set aside whatever I'm doing watching, and I just stand up. And then I chase him around the house for five minutes until I'm like, see, you're still afraid of me, you big chicken. And then I sit back down, and then it starts all over again. We've never engaged. Well, that's not true. I, I used to be able to catch him, and I messed him up pretty good. But anyway, uh, uh, there, there are, there's a pecking order in life. Spir- spiritually speaking, here, here's how it is. God is sovereign. He's over all things. We're going to spend the next uh, little bit here at our church talking about trusting him and therefore uh, in that trust being able to obey him. Uh, but, but the reason we can trust God is because he's in charge. He's sovereign. He's, he's good, righteous, perfect. Uh, he, is, he is trustable. And, and overall, he's, 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 um, he's undefeatable. He, he is sovereign in all things. But that hasn't kept mankind from trying to usurp his authority uh, since the first man and woman hit the, hit the globe. Now, we trend in this direction of messing with the bull, God being that sovereign bull, if you'll allow. Uh, Herod did that. Let me, let me tell his story here uh, just a little bit. Uh, as, as we go through these verses, you'll see kind of where he uh, gets away from God. Starting in verse 18 here in a- Acts chapter 12, it says, uh, When the day came uh, for Herod to execute Peter, which we found out last week didn't happen because Peter got uh, freed from prison, uh, there was no little disturbance. I think that's a, a kind way of saying that things did not go well that day in the prison. There was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. If you don't remember, there was four squads of soldiers that were slated to guard Peter on, P- Peter, or P- Peter on uh, uh, three-hour shifts. 
And during one of those shifts, uh, God sent an angel, and the angel walked Peter right out of jail. Uh, uh, so these four soldiers failed. And after Herod searched for him, and they couldn't find Peter anywhere, uh, he examined the sentries, and all they could say is, well, we don't know. Well, we went to sleep. We were handcuffed to him. There was two guys at the door, and the next thing we knew, he wasn't there. Well, that didn't sit well with Herod. Uh, so he ordered that they should be put to death. This was common practice uh, with prison guards back then. Tough job. If you lost your, your prisoner, guess what you got? You got the, the, the sentence that he would have received if he had been found guilty of his, of his crime. And so in this case, uh, that was death. Uh, the, all 16 of these guys were put to the sword. Uh, it says that, that Herod went down then from Judea to Caesarea, and, and he spent some time there. If you're looking at the map of Israel, uh, Judea is the southern region of Israel, and Jerusalem is you know, the county seat, the capital of Israel. And, and coming down in the Bible speak, especially when it's uh, you know, used of Judea or Jerusalem, it's not uh, like going south. It just means you're coming down in elevation. And so actually Caesarea is uh, was over here. It's up, up to the north and towards the Mediterranean. It's a coastal city. It's a beautiful city. I actually uh, started my tour of Israel there last summer when I got to go. And just some amazing things there. Uh, some, some incredible, incredible stuff has been, has been dug up from the period of Christ in the early church. Uh, they, they've made their own uh, uh, harbor. Uh, they sunk huge slabs of granite that they used to make, uh, or, or stone that they used to make all the buildings of. They sunk it there in the harbor in Caesarea, and they cre- it's a, just an incredible marvel of ancient engineering. Uh, they made this hippodrome where the horses would run the races, you know, like, uh, uh, what was that movie Charlton Heston was in? But you know, the horses and races and all that stuff. And, uh, uh, and then, and then uh, see, it was made for, it's called Caesarea because it was given to Caesar as a gift uh, by one of Herod's uh, 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 relatives. Oh, wow. <laughs> take some candy here. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, so it, it, that's where he, he went to hang out. Now, the rest of the story takes place there in this beautiful setting, uh, this tribute to, to Herod and his family's uh, might and power, Caesarea, the city that Herod built. Uh, he's hanging out there. It says in verse 20 that uh, Herod was angry. No, duh. This guy had some issues. He was a diva. Uh, he, he loved himself, and anytime things didn't go wrong or things didn't go right for him, he, he took it on, on everybody else. He probably took great joy in killing 16 men uh, for the loss of Peter. Uh, he had a little egg on his face. He had told all the Jews we'll see that in a second, that you know, the Jews uh, who hated the Christians were excited for the execution of Peter, and now that wasn't going to happen. So uh, Herod was in no mood. Are you with me? And he, he gets to, to Caesarea, and, and some of the other portions of his government work come to, come to the fore here. It says, the people of Tyre and Sidon, if you keep going north from Caesarea up the coast of Israel, you'll come to the city-states of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, they came to him uh, as their king, as the king of their region, and uh, they sought, uh, uh, you know, some, some audience with him. But apparently Herod was so mad he wasn't going to talk to him. So uh, he, they persuaded Blastus. There's a good name for your next child, Blastus. Uh, the king's chamberlain. Chamberlain's a butler. Uh, he, he's like the personal assistant of the king. So they couldn't get to Herod, so they got to the guy who gets to Herod. And they convinced Herod's chamber, chamberlain, his butler, Blastus, hey, you've got to get us in. And, and, and we'll see why in just a second. Uh, uh, they convinced him, and they asked for peace. Whatever was making Herod mad at them, or mad in general, they said, listen, we, we, we need to have peace with you because our very lives depended on it. Because their country, their region, depended on the king's country or his, his sovereignty 
for the food that they desperately des- uh, required to be, able to, to be able to live. Droughts were common back then. You can just imagine, there was a very unstable food supply. And so um, the grains of the south, the more um, uh, fertile regions, uh, or, or excuse me, they came from the north and the south, but, but, uh, but Herod was over all of it. And so if, if, if you take Herod off, guess what? Uh, he just, he'd shut down like what we did here. He shut down Walmart. <laughs> uh, he'd, <laughs> he'd just close all the grocery stores. You'd have no means by which to feed yourself. Herod had that kind of power. Like, he didn't just have the power to say 16 soldiers dead. He had the power to say uh, two fairly large city-states, no food. You got on the wrong side of Herod? Herod was Caesar's man. Unless Caesar came to check on him, he was going to do what he wanted. Now, Different scholars disagree on this next part here. They don't know if it's a, a flow from this dispute with the, the people of Tyre and Sidon or if this is some other day much later in the future. But here's where it goes. Verse 21, it says, On an appointed day, uh, Herod put on his royal robes and he took his seat upon the throne and he delivered an oration to them. This, this is what the dispute's about. Is the them the, the, the representatives from Tyre and Sidon or is the them just his court or the people there in Caesarea? Whatever the case is, uh, uh, it says here that Herod got all dressed up, regal. He regaled up, blinged up, rap video. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he just went to the nines. He drove his Mercedes right up into the palace, and he sits down on his very ornate throne, and he just starts talking. Hello, people. You're under my charge. You will listen. And he apparently was, was talking so well, looking so majestic, that people, as they heard him orate or heard him speak, uh, they, they, they said this in response to him. Verse 22, the people were shouting, this is the voice of a, of a God and not of a man. You know, in, in this period of our history, there's a guy who's not a, a Bible writer. His name's Josephus. He's a historian. And Josephus, uh, in the first century A.D., he basically... Uh, affirms what Luke tells us here in the book of Acts. Your Bible's not this like, you know, made up story from that period. It's there, there's extra, they call them extra biblical proofs of the things that are happening in the history uh, of Israel at this time. So Herod was a, a real dude. Caesarea is a real place. I've walked it. And he really lived. And Josephus, the historian, tells the same story that Luke uh, explains here in the book of Acts. And he tells us, uh, from his vantage point, uh, of, of, of Herod putting on actually a silver robe. He, he put on like a, a, a disco ball. I don't know, something like that. And it, he was all just, you know, shiny. And he's standing there. The palace there in Caesarea is right on the coast of the Mediterranean. If it was a sunny day, the water, like it does out here in the bay, just, I mean, you can hardly see if you're not wearing sunglasses. And so the, 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 the and they didn't have sunglasses back then. Everybody knows that, right? If you ever see like an ancient statue with sunglasses, that's not real. All right, um. So, so the light's coming off the Mediterranean. He's standing there in his seaside palace. He's wearing the disco ball. And he, he looks godlike, Josephus says. He, he looks like f- from something out of this world. And he sits on his throne and he speaks. And the people say, ah, oh, Herod, you, you must not be from this world. You must be a god. You speak so eloquently. You look so majestic. You've got to be God. Herod's hearing this. And just like he had heard from the Jews. They applauded his moves with some of the early Christian leaders. That's why he arrested Peter. He's hearing the praise of these people, and he's thinking, well, maybe I am God. He's like another king in the Bible, a guy named Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. 
Now, this guy Nebuchadnezzar in, in, in the book of Daniel, he, he gets up and he starts thinking, yeah. He looks out over his kingdom, he's like, yeah. I made it. Top of the food chain. I am, uh, I could have done that for a line in the movie quotes, I'm the king of the world. Thank you. No candy. <laughs> That's what Herod's thinking. You want to see what Herod, here's what happens right after Herod thinks these things. Verse 23. Immediately, an angel of the Lord. Who came and freed Peter from prison? Angel of the Lord. Who comes and exacts justice for God? Yeah, read Revelation. The angel's got a nice soft side, and then they got a not-so-soft side. Uh, this angel was a commando from God. And he comes and he strikes him down, it says, because he did not give God what? The glory. He thought of himself as God. And it did not go well for him. It says it was eaten by worms and he breathed his last. Uh, uh, Josephus actually agrees with Luke's assessment here that he was overtaken by worms. But this was, this was a, a not all too common, but a common occurrence back then. If you... Anybody ever had their kids get worms? We don't want to talk about that real openly, right? But uh, worms still hit our intestinal tracts these days. We have antibiotics and things like that to deal with them. But back then, if you got a worm, you didn't know you had a worm. And guess what? That worm would have other worms, and there would be a big worm party in your gut, and they would roll up like a big softball, and then they would start rolling down your intestinal tract, and they would block uh, your, your digestive system. Have a good, have a good lunch. <laughs> and so Josephus says... At that instant, uh, the worms that were present in Herod's body, uh, they rolled into his intestinal tract. He was in incredible pain. Uh, he fell over on his throne, and five days later, he died. And that's, that's not con- controverting what Luke says. It says that God allowed worms to strike the body of Herod, and, and the worms were ultimately his end. But both agree, Luke and Josephus say, as soon as Herod thought he was something, God took from him everything. All right? I, I grew up in churches where uh, the justice and the wrath of God were preached every week. Like, we'd walk out with our tail between our legs every week at that church. Because we all knew very well uh, how, you know, sinful we were and just how, uh, you know, God's wrath was going to be poured out. I mean, we were scared of our shadows, right? Because God's whole role in life was to smush us when we did something wrong. And then, I, 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 as I got older, I, I started realizing that the Bible has other messages. That's in there. I'm not saying it's not, and we're going to talk about it more today. But there's this other side of God's nature, which is called grace, his love, and his mercy. Anybody into those? Those are cool, right? Because even though we mess up, God loves us anyway. Even though we stray, he takes us back. Even though uh, we rebel over and over and over again, his love is unchanging. Anybody excited about that side of God's nature? That's a good thing, right? Here's the deal. They both exist. They both exist. And, 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 and there, there is error, grave error. If you slide too far into one or the other in any stage of your Christian life, if you, if, you, if you get overwhelmed by the wrath of God, or if you become legalistic and judgmental of other people because of the wrath of God, then you're an imbalanced follower of Jesus Christ. I am, I am standing before you as a reaction to being steeped in that growing up. Because I'm over here now. I'm over here in Graceville, you know. It is for freedom that Jesus set us free. Woohoo! Right? But if you emphasize this side too much, and you forget that God is just, that his ways are righteous, that he's called us 
uh, to a path and he wants us to stay on it, then you can just kind of start living willy-nilly. And the only, <laughs> the only thing that can come from that is that you start thinking, well, I'm God. In my freedom, I'm in charge of what I do, and God will love me anyway. Now, this text is kind of a warning to us, and I want to preach both today. I want to preach God's justice and God's grace. But I want us to see that there's a little bit, there's a little bit of hair in all of us. And I want us to answer this question today. Why is there a little hair in all of us? Well, there's a little hair in all of us because all of us, whether we've put our faith in Jesus Christ and are living now as Christians or if we're on our way to doing that, all of us come from this thing that's called the sin nature. All of us are, are born in rebellion against God. All of us bo- are born with this belief, this, this, this in, inside of us deep core belief that we are in charge of us. I am the boss of me. And in our old man, that that's how we live. We forget to serve God and others. We serve only ourselves like Herod does. And we live to, to be applauded. We live to have power. We live to be our own God. And, and I've talked to you about this before. That may not be every hour of our lives. We come to church and we're like, God, you can have this, this, and this, and this, and this. But there's this one nagging area, this one spot where it comes to the throne in our lives in this particular area. It's like, pardon me, God. Whew. I'm going to control this piece. This one's going to be mine. Yeah, you can't have my anger. You can't have my addiction to porn. You can't have my whatever it is, thirst for power, love of money, my lust of the eyes, right? You can't have it. I'm going to be God over this one. Throne's mine. And what God is saying uh, in this cautionary tale is like, no, 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 no. Everything is mine. If you have anything, it's because I've given it to you. And therefore, everything that you have came from me and is for me. I'm God, says God. And you and I are not. So this is, this is me, lovingly, sharing with you the story of a guy uh, who basically gave God the forearm shiver. Heisman to him whole, whole, wholesale his whole life. And this is where it led. Why is there a little of Herod in all of us? Well, because all of us mess with God. And when you mess with the bull, you get the horns. When you mess with God, you get the horns. All of us mess with God in, in these three ways. Let's just see him again in the text. I'll talk about him briefly. Let's talk about him here. First one's this. <clears throat> we mess with God when we seek praise from people. Who, who's supposed to be the, the, the one that we seek praise from? Who's supposed to be the one, the only one, that we seek any kind of applause or any kind of approval. Who, as a Christian, who, who's the one? When a pastor asks you a question, what, what do you say? God, Jesus, he would count, Trinity, we're good. But he's our only source of approval in life. Now, is it wrong for us to, to love other people and to, and to be you know, uh, honored by them for that? No. But when they honor us, where should the glory go? Should it go here into our hearts and here into our heads? And we should think, well, yeah, I am pretty great. Well, thanks for noticing I hope other people notice too. No. When people applaud us and laud us, the glory should not be ours. We should not think that we are something, it says in Galatians, when we are nothing. The glory should go to God. But Herod, remember the story? I'm not going to read all the verses. We'll just kind of skip around up there, slide guy. 
But when Herod, remember in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, 3 and 4, it says that uh, when, when it, Herod learned that the Jews were, were pleased with him, uh, arresting the leaders of the early church, a guy named James, the son of thunder, he actually executed him. When he found out that the Jews loved that, and, and Herod loved the applause of men. He was a politician. Wanted your vote, even though people didn't have one. Now, when he found that out, he's like, well, I can do better than that. Where's Pete? I'll arrest him. And I'll kill him as soon as this Feast of Unleavened Bread is done. And I'll have even more of the Jews liking me. Now, there's a little bit of Herod in all of us. Uh, ever photobomb somebody? Hopefully in our, in our later years as adults, if that's who you are, we don't photobomb you know, so that we can actually be in the picture. We do it as a joke, right? We just want to be... You know, and, and just kind of, you know, have a funny picture to look back on and remember. But remember when you photobombed it a kid, as a kid? You were trying to take over the entire picture. Does anybody, has anybody ever seen kids? You're taking their picture, and they just start trying to get in front of the other one. They're just, like, swiping like this. You know, they're doing the whole thing. You know why they're doing that? They love to be noticed. Who had that kid growing up? Look what I can do. Look what I can do. Dad, look what I can do. Dad, 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 dad. That's my whole life right there. Dad, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me. Because as children, we are unbridled in our, our seeking of attention. We're just like, I'm the most important thing in the world. I'm me, it's me. You don't, you don't see, it's me, it's Mark. Look at me, look at me, look at me. We get more sophisticated as we get older and hiding that. But we're still ultimately guilty of being all about ourselves. It's not how it's supposed to be for a Christian. Paul, later on, one of these guys that we meet here in the book of Acts, uh, he goes on to write a letter to the Galatians. And he says to them, for now am I, it's verse 10 of chapter 1, he says, now am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, look what he says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, it's hard, it's hard to read one verse and a whole run of things, but he's basically started, the book of Galatians does, start, does not start nice. He just starts ripping on the Galatians. He just comes right after these legalists, these gracists. If you were here a few weeks ago, they were trying to keep the Gentiles out of the Christian church, and so he just comes after them. He just bludgeons them. I mean, it's like a haymaker as soon as the bell rings in round one, all right? And he's anticipating their reaction his criticisms of them. He says, hey, listen, I'm not here to be your favorite. Am I seeking your approval? Apparently not. Did you just read what I wrote? And he says, listen, I'm not here to win a popularity contest. I'm here to honor and to glorify God. If I'm going to seek the, this is what he says, if I'm going to seek the approval of man, it's going to run contra to my seeking the approval of God. I can't be a servant of man and a servant of Jesus Christ at the same time. I've got I to gotta have that in the right, the right order. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that Jesus might increase. Jesus himself was described as Paul as being someone who emptied himself. See, Herod was all about filling himself with self. Jesus was all about, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to separate myself from all that I have rightful uh, uh, you know, reason to. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to empty myself of myself. So that I can be a servant. I didn't didn't come to be served, Jesus said. I came to die, to be a servant. And to die is a ransom for many. That's that's Jesus. 
And as followers of Jesus, that's us. We're not here for the applause of men. I'm sitting in my, my daughter's orientation. You ever thought about applause? What a weird thing. Where did that start? Someone Google that. Where do we start doing this to say, you're awesome? Why, why do we make noise with our hands, right? But since that's happened, uh, mankind has been seeking that all their lives. I have conversations with my college-age son, and, and he's all about applause. He wants, he, he wants to be lauded by men, and I'm just constantly trying to push into my kid's head, hey, that is not the meaning of life. It's not it. Herod, he loves and seeks praise from people, but Herod loves power over people. He, and we, we, we can all relate to this. We, love, we like power. Um, it's just a human quality. It's old man. We just want to be in charge. We want to we wanna have the say-so. We want every day to be our birthday. In my house, if it's your birthday, it's your say-so. We eat what you want to eat. We go and do what you want to do. Uh, but it's, uh, some of us, we think every day is our birthday. And I, I want to win. My, my daughter's in a dorm room with what I think are three last uh, childs and one only child. How's that going to work out, right? That's going to be fun, right? Who wants, to, who wants to hear the stories from that one, right? Because those girls, if they're not careful, are going to think, well, everybody should do what I do. Everybody should say what I say. Because I'm the princess. But they're going to find out it, well, you're not that special. You're just one of four of us in a very small room. Yeah. But, man, we love to have the upper hand. We love to have power. Uh, as parents, we can be caught just saying, because I say so, and abusing our power. We, can, uh, we, we just see it happen in all kinds of ways. I, I've actually had to teach my, my son, Cooper, that his, his brother and sister aren't in charge of him his whole life. Happened again Friday night. We're sitting there just before the grizzly bear got up and had to regulate like he usually does. Uh, we're sitting there, and uh, I asked my daughter to go. And I'm not kidding. It's like 10 feet from where she was sitting on the couch in our living room to where the printer is in a closet. And I'm like, hey, uh, we just printed out your books that we just ordered for your classes. Go get it and make sure you have it with you when you go to the library when you get to college. And this is what she did. Cooper was three steps closer than she was. And she turned to Cooper. She wasn't doing anything. She wasn't embroiled in some incredible task and couldn't be taken away. She just turned to Cooper and says, Coop, get that paper for me. I'm sitting right there. I watch this happen. Coop gets up <laughs> and walks over there. And I'm like, Cooper, sit back down. Kai, and I looked right at her. Kai. And this is all I had to say. Seriously. Because she's had this conversation before, right? He's not your slave just because he will do it. Doesn't mean you should ask him to do it, right? And then she gets... <laughs> sits back down, right? Like you just shot her. You know, it's like, get your own paper, you lazy person. Anyway. But we love that. We love having power. But what did Jesus do when he came to earth? He, he, he abdicated his power. He just said, no, I'm not. In fact, when he talked about the Gentile leaders, he said, listen, the, Gentile, they, they, the Gentiles, when they're in charge, they lord it over all the people that they are under them. They just love being in charge. But he says, not so for you. If you're going to be first, guess what? You're going to be servant. Servant of all. If you want to rise to the top, you become the least. 
we can all relate with Herod because ultimately Herod wants to be God. He, he just wants to be God. And we all do. Listen, you would never, as a good Christian, say this out loud. But every once in a while, you're like, yeah, I want to be God. I'll give him everything else here. But in this one thing, I'm on the throne. We love to love ourselves. We're good at it. We like to view life from our perch. We're like the kid who's learning to drive. Anybody have, our kids are all drivers now. But during the process where they were learning to drive, I would walk out to my car some Sundays and they'd already be in the front seat of my car. Like it's their car. One time, my son stuck his hand out the window. He's like, keys. I was like, okay. (laughs) Hang on, Junior. Here we go. Whose car are you sitting in? Yours. So if you want to drive my car, what would be a better way for you to drive my car? I have these conversations with my kids. Do you? Uh, Can I drive the car? Yes. Whose keys are these? Yours? Yeah, if you want my keys, how should you ask for them? Can I have the keys, please? Yes. Now get out of the car and go open my door for me. Right? That's how I do it, right? Because whose car is this? My car. Well, God's car, but you get my point, right? But we have to teach. We, all of us had to learn. I'm, I'm not the only person in the world. My mom used to yell at me with that all the time. Do you think you're the only person in the world? What do you mean? Of course not. You're here. I mean, everybody else is but what she was trying to get across is that your mentality is that everybody else bows down. You're God. And everybody else is here to serve you. So susceptible. All of us are so prone. Prone to wander. What happens when we do? What happens when we, uh, we, we all become Herods? Well, here, do, do the next slide for me. Keep going. Yeah, the next, keep going. Come on. What does God do with Herod? That's where I want to get to. I'm just going to go through these real fast. God gives Herod the horns. How does he do it? First of all, he ends Herod's plans. Everybody read that? Herod was going to kill Peter the day after he is freed from prison. And Herod goes to get him to execute Peter, and he's not there. And egg on his face, and all the Jews are like, what, you lost Peter? That's the third time that guy's busted out of jail. And Herod looks the fool. Why? Because Herod was incompetent? No. Four sets of guards, three-hour watches. He did everything he humanly could uh, to make sure that Peter stayed in jail. It's just Herod's not the king. God's the king. God's in charge. Herod's not. And God, listen, I'm so grateful. Anybody, raise your hands. Is anybody grateful that God has foiled our plans from time to times? Yeah. Like, has anybody, like, said, you know what, I'm going to go do this, and it's going to work out great. We, we, sat, we sat on our thrones and said, hey, i got a great idea for my life. Oh, it's going to be awesome. And it's everything that we want, nothing what God wants, and then we start that, that plan in action. And, like, you know, a third of the way into the, into the plan being enacted, everything goes horribly wrong. And we look back at our lives and say, wow, that was a coincidence. That was some bad luck. What a bummer. No. God went, e-break, you're not doing that to you. You're not doing that to your testimony. You're not doing that to me and my plans for your life. Hey, bro, ain't happening. I left my family as a senior in high school. Not well. Cussed and screamed at my parents. They let me leave. I went back to where we were from. 
And I, I quickly started doing everything they told me not to my whole life. That was my plan. Get out of my family's house and then do exactly what I want. You've heard this story from me before if you've been around. That year did not go particularly well. Everything that I sought failed. That was my own prodigal son. Give me everything I want. I'm going to be God of my own life. Off I go. And at every turn, my choices produced failure. And I look back on that season of my life as one of the most important things that ever happened to me. Because in confounding my plans, in ruining my, 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 you know, my senior year, my, my God became my God again. Are you with me? And he's going to lead us into failure if it's going to lead us back to him. Everybody hear that? That might be good too. He's going to lead us into failure if it'll lead us back to him. God ends Herod's plans. God, God ends Herod. God ends Herod. Herod's sitting on his throne, dressed in the disco ball. Everybody's lauding him as a god. Oh, there he is. He's not a man. He's a god. Worms. Chew the worms. Bam. And God ends Herod. Now, this is one of those tricky texts that if I grew up in my church, the the preacher would preach it like every time you stray from God, he's going to send worms. Did anybody hear that sermon? Has anybody noticed that, you know, there have been many times where you and I have strayed from God and the, words didn't, the worms didn't come. Well, here's what, here's what happens in the, in the text sometimes. Like, like, does God heal every blind person? No. Does, does he show in some of the accounts from history that he can heal blind people? Yeah, absolutely. Does God kill everybody who rebels against him, like Herod? No. But does he show in the story of Herod that this is his attitude towards our rebellion? It is... It, is, it, it, it incurs his wrath. It's something he cannot be pleased with. And it's only because of that other side of him that we all love, his grace and love and mercy, that he doesn't send the worms. Anybody grateful that God has grace and love and mercy and doesn't send the worms? We should print that up on a t-shirt. Thank you, God, for no worms, right? Because <laughs> that's what every one of us deserves. Let me just say something real quick to the pre-Christians in here. You're kind of trying to figure this out. You're you're deciding whether or not you're going to follow Jesus or not. You're you're working through all your stuff. Hey, that's great. I did too. But let me just kind of fast forward to the end of this deal. If you get to the end of your life and you're still undecided, I mean, I'm not even talking about being like an atheist or an angry against God person. I'm just saying, eh, kind of back and forth. But you haven't chosen Christ. The grace side of Jesus at the end of your life, when you breathe your last that is now over. Grace does not extend past, if you haven't received Christ, grace does not extend past the end of your physical life. Some people think, well, God is a good God. He'd never just, you know, judge someone for not loving him, choosing him, honoring him. Yeah, no, he's a just God. He's a loving God, but he's a just God. And he has set things in order, and his order is this. If you die without faith in Jesus Christ, then the grace of Jesus Christ cannot be yours. It's it's for all once to die, the Bible says. And then comes the judgment. And the judgment is going to be, hey, did you know me? Okay, good, you knew me. What would you do for me? But those are the only two questions. When we breathe our last, did you know me? And if we answer that question, no, I didn't. I lived my life doing what I wanted. I was God. I maybe even have believed that you existed, but I didn't choose you. I didn't seek to serve you. I didn't seek to honor you. I certainly didn't accept your son as my Savior. I just 
I was kind of around you. Well, God, who loves you infinitely, uh, is going to be a God who is just and right. And he's going to say, because of that choice, you can have no part of me. God ends Herod's plans. He ends Herod himself. And he will, if we choose him not, end us as well. But here's the last thing I want to leave you with. God wins in the end. Who's grateful that the Bible always gets back to this? Like no matter how horrible things are, God wins. There's some great buts here in the book of Acts. Here's one of them. It says in verse 24, But the word of God increased and multiplied. It's the last that we hear of Peter. Starting in chapter 13, it's all about this guy whose earlier name was Saul and will become Paul. This is the final episode with Peter. But how does, how does Luke want to leave us remembering Peter? God was for him. And because God was for Peter, there was no earthly prison, no earthly measure that could stand against God and his plan for Peter. His, his word increased. His, 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 his ministry, his church multiplied. Here we are. How's it going? We are the descendants of this early church that was victorious because of the power of God in incredibly difficult circumstances. And that's still who we are today. I don't know what you're going through. But in the end, God wins. You, you may be going through a period of your life where you're like, why is God doing this? Hey, check your mirrors. Run a scan. Were you heading off on your own? Is God maybe correcting your path and bringing you back into his, his plan? That may be the case. Maybe you, you, you examine yourself and like, I don't, I don't see that at all. Well, maybe God's allowing these things. Don't forget, earlier in the text, who dies? One of the disciples, James, the son of Zebedee, the son of thunder. He died. Peter didn't. James did. The early church is celebrating Peter's emancipation. They're mourning the loss of their brother James. Do bad things happen to Christians? Christians? Yeah. Is God using those bad things that occur in a sinful, broken world for our good? Is he going to teach us, if we allow him to, the things that we need to know so that we can follow him better from those bad things? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is God's hope for us that we would give him the throne? He doesn't want any of us sitting here. He doesn't want any of us wearing the crown in any area of our lives. So here's my challenge to you as you go today. You gotten comfortable on the throne of your life? You playing God? I know I sometimes do. Are there things in your heart that need to be seated back to him? Are there paths in your life that aren't of his making? You know what I pray as we start this year? I pray this is the year that all of us follow him better than we ever have. I don't expect any of us to be perfect. But wouldn't it be great if we were better? Wouldn't it be great if there were strongholds in our lives, if there were places where we sat on the throne that we just said, you know what, not me. God, take your place. Can you close your eyes for a second? Just bow your heads with me. I'm just going to be quiet for a minute. I can't help but think that maybe as I talk about these areas of life where we sit on the throne, that you got one. I know I do. There's areas where I'm just too quick to assume the role of God in my life. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to let you allow God to bring those things to your mind.
And then we're just gonna pray together as we close our service over those things. Just allow God to whisper into your spirit the areas of your life that you rule. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just put your hand out, your, your empty hand, just lay it out with your palm up as a symbol of whatever that thing is? And we're just going to offer that thing to God together, that area of our life, whether it's our pride, whether it's some sin choice that we make, whether it's, it's anger or, or, or some division in our relationship somewhere. I mean, whatever it is, just hold it out there and then pray with me something like this. Say something like this, God, I know you're God and I am not. I know that every part of me is given to me by you and everything I have is yours. Forgive me for the times that I think I'm you and release me, God, from that selfish nature and set me on a course that you want. Take this area of my life, Lord, and and push me from the throne. Seat yourself there in my place and lead me out of this prison that I've made for myself. Give me freedom, God. Do whatever it takes to lead me back to the life you want me to live. And I'll follow you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, and may God give us freedom. And God grant you a great week.